0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church weekly podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. So have you ever been uh, in a situation where you thought something was the best, it was the greatest, but then you had something way better? Okay, so uh, the first thing that came to mind for me was pizza, uh, because pizza is life, and it's a pretty big deal for me. And so pizza, um, I remember as a, as a, growing up, in our household, Pizza Hut was a big deal. Anyone else, any of Pizza Hut fans? All right, we got eight Pizza Hut fans. That's, that's probably about right, let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid growing up, like, you know, my parents could probably get us to do anything, If they bribed us with pizza hut, like anything, like, Hey, do my taxes. Uh, I will figure out how to do taxes. If you give me a piece of pizza hut pizza, I will do it. Like, um, borderline unhealthy pizza hut, uh, issues at our house. But I love pizza hut pizza. You know, you got that thick crust. Ooh, it's good. Right? I mean, pizza's pretty, pretty good pizza. But then one day I had pizza that was a lot better than pizza hut pizza. Shocker. Right? You guys are like, John, that's like every pizza. So, but one day I had pizza from this little joint on the next exit up called Mia Margarita's. And I was like, now this pizza, that's good pizza. Amen. Uh, if anyone here is listening from Mia Margarita, you're welcome. I, and I expect some kind of a discount or a coupon. It's basically free advertisement for you. Um, but no, it's really good pizza, right? It's really good pizza. And it's like, now I was like, man, I thought that stuff was good, and I could have been having this the whole time, right? Another example I thought of was uh, when I was 16, I purchased a 1989 Firebird. And uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty cool car. It's got T-tops, and you know, it's got the little V8 engine, and it's kind of loud and kind of a, a noisy and doesn't smell very good because the exhaust stinks. Anyway. And I was like, when I was 16, like, this is the coolest car ever made. It's got the pop-up and down headlights, right? (laughs) It's got the pop-up and down headlights. It's got the T-tops you can take off. And um, it was just a really, I thought it was the best. Like, this is the best car ever made, period. But then one day, one of my good friends, his dad had like the nicest Mustang that money could buy. And he knew I was in the car. So he's like, hey, take it for a spin. And so I drove that car. And I immediately realized that my firebird was a piece of trash. Like it was such a clunk. It was a clunker. It was garbage. It had no power. It didn't, it was, yeah. So maybe you've been there before. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's pizza or something else. That like you're convinced, hey, this is the greatest thing. But then all of a sudden you have something that's way better. And you're like, man, I settled for Pizza Hut? really, John, I settled for a firebird or whatever it is. And I could have been having something so much better. And so I say all that because in, in Philippians chapter three, uh, Paul kind of makes a similar uh, analogy where he, he, he's, he has this list of stuff that he thought was the best until he found something so much better. So if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians 3. In my Bible, the, like the title above chapter three says the, the priceless value of knowing Christ. Philippians three, verse one. I still hear pages turning, so I'll pause. <clears throat> got it, we got it. Okay. Philippians three, verse one. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those manipulators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if, turn page. If anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite knowing or the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. We'll, we'll stop there. So we, we, we start out this chapter and Paul saying, hey, you know, he's talking to the people of Philippi and he's saying, watch out for those dogs, which is typically not a term of endearment, right? So he's saying, hey, watch out for those dogs. He's referring to Jewish teachers, Jewish leaders. And, he's, and basically what they were saying, they were saying that to be right with God or to be right in his sight, you had to go through all these hoops, you had to do all these lists of things. You had to be circumcised. You had to do this ritual and go through this ceremony. And if you did everything just right, then you might be right with God. And Paul's saying, don't, don't listen to that teaching. That, that's, he's saying, we can't rely on any effort other than what Jesus has done on the cross. And so he, he, he's, he's just making sure that there's, they're, they're not listening to that false teaching. And so he starts talking about how, you know, our own efforts are, they're no good. Apart from Christ, we can't rely on our own efforts and we can't be made right with God by our, our works, right? But then, but then Paul says, hey, but if that were true, if, if you could be right because of doing a bunch of good things, he says, I, I would be first on the list, and he says, hey, I've got, I've got all the accolades. I've got all the, the titles and the good deeds. In verse five, right, he says, I, w- I was circumcised on the right day. Um, and I was a, a pure-blooded citizen of the right place. Um, and I was part of this tribe. And I, uh, you know, I was a Pharisee and I knew the, the, the law and I obeyed it. And I was, I was righteous. I obeyed it without fault. So he says, hey, I've got the list. I've got the, the performance, the, the, I've got the titles, the accolades, the accomplishments. He's like, if anyone has it, this guy, I have it. But then he says something very powerful in verse seven. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. Basically what he's saying is, I used to think these things were the best. Like pizza, pizza and a firebird. So I used to think these things, he used to kind of hang his hat on that big list of accomplishments and titles and he thought those were the best he says in verse 7 i once thought these things were valuable but now i consider them worthless because of what christ has done yes everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing christ jesus my lord he says everything else is in comparison it's all garbage it, it's, it's meaningless and it's valueless. It's, it's terrible when you compare it to knowing Christ. And I have a, a study Bible, um, and maybe some of you have a study Bible as well. I'd recommend one. But in, in the notes, it kind of has like little commentary on some verses. And in the notes here, it talks about that when Paul talks about knowing Christ, when he uses that line of like knowing Christ, it's not an intellectual head knowledge it's not like, hey, I know some facts about Christ and uh, you know, I, someone else told me about him and so I kind of know the gist of, no. When he talks about knowing Christ, he's talking about this experiential knowing that comes through a, a, a personal, intimate relationship. That's, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about knowing someone like you know a friend. That's, that's the kind of knowing he's saying. He's not talking about head knowledge. He's talking about like a relationship knowing. And so really that's what I'm going to spend the rest of our time this morning on is, is knowing Christ. Cause Paul says, he says, that's the Supreme thing. He says, that's the pinnacle like beyond having a nice list of things that were good and having good accomplishments. He says this, the, the, the Supreme thing is knowing Christ Jesus and being made one with him. He says that that's the pinnacle. And so you know, this morning, I just want to ask you, like, do you know Christ Jesus? Do you, like, not know about him, not, hey, I know a few Bible verses, not, I've, I've heard some teaching. No, like, do you personally know Jesus in a, in a deep, like, fellowship way? Because that. That's the supreme, that, that's what we should be after is, is knowing the Lord in a deep, deep way like that. And you know what? People oftentimes, we, we oftentimes settle for something lesser than actually knowing the Lord. That's what Paul says. He says, I settled for like being a good person, having a list of, of accomplishments and he settled for something lesser than knowing the Lord. And, and I, I think this happens just as much, if not more today than it did then. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever talked to someone about Jesus and they pull out a list of things they've done, right? You ever talk to someone like that? I remember being, uh, a few years ago, we took a mission trip to Washington, D.C. with some of the youth students. And we went around just um, doing some like street evangelism and talking to people. And I can remember one instance where I just went up to a guy and I said, hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And he goes, hey, hey, buddy. I went to a Catholic school growing up. I probably know more about the Bible than you. Like, you, thanks, have a nice day. And kind of like shooed me away. I mean, isn't that exactly what Paul's talking about? Right? And maybe, maybe there's been times where you, you talk to someone about Jesus and they're like, hey, 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 buddy, my dad's a pastor, leave me alone, all right? Get it, I know all this stuff. Right? You've, maybe you've been there before. Like, hey, hey I, went to the, I went to the Catholic school. I, I, I was baptized when I was a kid. I did all the, the classes. Like, I'm good, they settle for something less than knowing him. They let let a list of things they've done take the place of actually knowing the person of Jesus. And I guarantee you that, that breaks God's heart. That breaks God's heart because you can't read the Bible without regularly hearing language like, we are his children, he is our father. Or we are the bride, he is the groom. I mean, that is like deep, intimate language, right? He could have used any terminology. He could have said, I'm the king, you're the subjects, right? Or I'm, I'm, the, I'm the boss, you're the workers. No, he said, we're the bride and he's the groom. He says, we're, your ch- we're the children, he's, he's the father. Just in the way that I know my wife or I know my children, that, that's to be our walk with the Lord, guys. That that deep intimate knowing of Jesus. So when people settle for a list of accomplishments or a list of good deeds, when they settle for that instead of knowing Him, that breaks the Lord's heart. And so when I, you know, when I think of you know someone in the Bible that like really knew the Lord like this, I can't help but think of Moses, because there, there's crazy things that are said about Moses when you, when you read through Exodus and, and some of the Old Testament. There's the Bible says that Moses talked to God face to face like a man talks with a friend. I mean, that's crazy. Like the way that Moses talked to a friend, that's the way he talked to God. So, so like, how do you talk to a friend? Like that's, that's how you can talk to God. And, and so, Mo, I mean, think about Moses' life. He regularly fellowship with the Lord he regularly was talking with God. He was regularly, right, right, receiving instruction on what to do next, hearing His voice. That was a regular part of Moses's life. And I mean, that isn't that like kind of crazy? But I think the thing that here's what's more crazy is like, God wants that with you, right? God wants that with you. God wants that with me. That's not just reserved for one guy in the Bible. God's not a respecter of persons. What he did for Moses, he'll do for you, right? God wants that that intimate, deep, face-to-face knowing with us. He wants that, that father-son, that bride-groom relationship. And when we settle for something lesser than that, it breaks God's heart. And so, I don't know, maybe someone just needs to hear that today. That you can talk to the Lord like a friend. He is your friend. Like maybe you'd say, maybe this morning you're like, I, I feel like I don't have a a whole lot of friends and I feel lonely sometimes and I don't know who to talk to. What a friend we have in Jesus, amen? Come on, what a friend we have in Jesus. You can talk to him about everything. You don't know what to do? Talk to him, ask him, talk to him face to face. What a friend you have in Jesus. So Moses knew the Lord. Moses had a, a, a relationship with the Lord that was, was close and, and, and deep like that. But like I said so many times, we like to settle for something less than knowing him. So it's interesting, the Israelites, that the people that you know Moses is leading, in, in Exodus twenty, nineteen, it says this. It says, And they said to Moses, Hey, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we will die. So they replaced the Israelites replaced knowing God with listening to Moses. they they tried to replace actually personally knowing God with, hey Moses, how would you just tell us? And how often does that happen today? Well, I'm pretty close with my pastor and he seems to really know what the Lord says. So I'll just kind of, I'll listen to him. And so oftentimes still to this day, we, we, we replace knowing the Lord for ourselves with knowing what our pastor says about him. And it doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. There's so many implications to that. And how, but one that I was thinking of when it comes to just you know, trying to know the Lord by replacing that with hearing, listening to someone or listening to your pastor. One of the implications I thought of was like, like evangelism and doing ministry. Like, how can you rightly make someone known that you don't know? How can you, how can you do that? It's, it's not possible. It doesn't work. You can't tell someone about someone that you don't know yourself. It, it, it doesn't work out. Like, imagine if someone asked me, Hey, John, can you write a biography about Billy Graham? I don't know Billy Graham, I'd, I'd never met him, I never saw him in person. I never heard him in person. I mean, I I know who he is. I mean, I've heard about him, right? All of us have heard about Billy Graham. You maybe have seen one of his sermons online or you've you've heard a sermon on Facebook of his, but I doubt, maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt anyone actually personally knows Billy Graham. I, I know I don't. I don't know him. I've never met him. So if I was to write a biography about his life, I could maybe look up some facts about him. It's like, well, he was a great man and he, he got a lot of people saved. But you know what? I would do him a great disservice because I don't really know him. I, I couldn't properly describe what he was like. I, I couldn't actually articulate to someone the kind of man he was. And I, I would do him a, a great disservice to his ministry in his life. But you know who would do a great job? probably his kids and his wife, someone really close to him, right? That they could, they could truly tell you what Billy Graham was like and, and the kind of man he was behind closed doors, the kind of father he was, the kind of husband he was. But I, I couldn't do that, right? So when, as Christians, I think it, it, we, it's a bad place to be to try to tell someone about the Lord when you don't even know the Lord yourself. You actually are doing the Lord a disservice trying to tell people about this guy you don't know. And you, it's almost better off just, if you don't know the Lord, don't try to describe him to someone because you'll get it wrong, right? How can you make someone known that you don't know yourself? So there's, there's, there's so many times where we, we, we try to replace knowing him with knowing our pastor. We try to replace knowing him with a nice list of accomplishments. Another thing I think that we often replace with knowing Him ourselves is serving or doing ministry. So turn with me in your Bible to Luke, Luke 10, 38. anything, take the place of knowing him yourself. Not a list of things, not knowing a pastor. And then what I want to talk about here is, is don't let, don't let serving in church ministry take the place of knowing him. Luke ten thirty eight 38 it says, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him teach. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me serving alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So in this story, we see that Martha let serving she's a good thing, she lets serving take the place of knowing him. If, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll just get you so distracted with good things that you miss the one thing that's needed. She's getting food ready. Well, Jesus, I got to get the food ready. I got to get the the table set. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I'll say it again. If, If the devil can't get you to sin, he'll just get you so distracted with even good things that you miss sitting at his feet. You miss personally, intimately knowing him. Never let ministry take the place of knowing him. Never let, well, I'm just, I'm busy, John, and I, 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 do you know how much I serve in the church? It's just, it just seems like it's nonstop. Wouldn't you fit into the same exact category as Martha? You're distracted with so much serving that you don't even know him. Do you haven't spent time at his feet, worshiping him, communing with him, enjoying his presence? I feel like, I feel like, unfortunately, this, I see this a lot. People that are so, they, they say, well, I know it's been a while since I've just been in a, in a, even in a worship service or it's been a while since I've, I've really just spent time with God, but I do serve a lot as if like that takes the place of it. And it doesn't, it won't work. Turn, turn also with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. verse 21, Matthew 7, 21 says, this says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. I mean, you know what shocks me in this passage? It says in that day, many. Like this won't be a problem for a few people. It says that this will be a problem for many people, that they will come to the Lord with their list of things they've done Well, God, you know, I did this for you. I I went to missions trips and I I helped VBS. Come on. And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. When we stand face to face, the standard's not gonna be how many things you've done. The standard will be, did you know him? I mean, that's shocking. I, I mean, you and hey, Serving is awesome. We just spent last week talking about serving. I'm not trying to degrade the importance of serving in the church or serving the Lord. Of course not. But apart from knowing him, you can serve and you can give money and you can do all the stuff. But when you come face to face with Jesus, he'll say, depart from me. Apart from knowing him. it's It's all worthless. It's all meaningless. If you don't know the Lord, many will come. Never let serving take the place of knowing him. Never let church ministry take the place of knowing. That's his standard. He wants to know you before anything else. What if, what if God is less concerned with your utility and more concerned with knowing you? Like, of course, of course we need to tell people about Jesus. I'm not trying to degrade, you know, like doing the works of God. Of course we need to do the works of God. God says, you know, work while it's still day because night cometh when no man can work. Of course, we, we need to work and do the things that God's called us to do. But what if he's more concerned with knowing you than, than your list of things you've done? I think so many times people, you know, the majority of their prayer time is just, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me. And it's never spent in fellowship with him. And I'm not against, hey, I'm, of course, I want the Lord to use me. I want, of course, that's not a bad thing. But I think that we get it wrong. And we're just always, we, we think that God's just constantly obsessed with our performance. And it gets us in a weird place. When, what if we say, hey, God wants to know me and he wants to love me. And out of that will flow everything else, right? If we get that right, all the other good stuff will flow from it. We'll minister, we'll, we'll, we'll do the works of God. But what if he's more concerned with knowing you than how, than how how useful you are to him? One thing is needed. God's a jealous God. He wants, he wants you. And like I said, we can get so distracted in serving that we miss him. And so here's what I, I, I wanna do. I just wanna take the last little part here and just... So what what can we do? How can we, as we leave this place, what can I do to get to know the Lord better? What are some things I can do that I can grow in my relationship with Jesus, right? Not just having more head knowledge, and more intellectual understanding, but how can I grow in that personal walk with Jesus? And I just have two, two simple things. And the first one is this, enjoy him, enjoying him. So like I mentioned, I've got a study Bible, which I recommend you get it. They're really cool to have a study Bible. Because in this, one of the things that it says, it says that Paul's desire to know him came from enjoying him. I thought that was so good. Because all throughout Philippians, you keep hearing, rejoice, be glad in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Like enjoy the Lord, enjoy your walk with the Lord. And, and, that, and the study Bible says that that's, that was where his desire to know him came from. He, he enjoyed spending time with the Lord. He, he enjoyed the Lord. You know, sometimes I, I talk to people and they tell me about um, maybe their, their, their walk with the Lord or their, their, prayer, their prayer life and their, their time with the Lord. And sometimes I'm pretty convinced they don't even like it. I'll just be honest, like, as they're telling me about their time with Jesus, like, I can tell they, like, don't even like it. You know, well, I, I wake up, and then I I go into my small, dark closet and close the door. And, uh, and I try to spend maybe 15 minutes if I can. If I can stand it, I'll, I'll spend 15 minutes in that dark closet with clothes hitting me in the face, and I can't see anything. Uh, you know, and then I'll just pull out my list of things I want, and then I'll, if I can handle 15, I, on a good day, I might get 20 if I can handle it almost like they're like clocking time in a jail cell. And I'm like, I, I don't really think you enjoy that. Like, I don't think you enjoy spending time with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I know some people are like big, big into like closet praying. And, uh, but I know for me, I, I, that would not work. I'm sorry, if I, I couldn't, I don't think I could enjoy locking myself in a tiny dark room with clothes hitting me I, I just don't think I would enjoy. But, but I, and people sometimes people are like, well, but Jesus says when you pray, go in your closet and close the door. And so people think it's like a biblical mandate. You must <laughs> pray in closets. Which, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, the religious people like to pray where they're seen and heard. Don't do that. That's all Jesus is saying. He's saying, he's not telling you where like the, the geographical location you must pray. He's just saying, hey, when you pray, don't pray so that people hear you and, and they're impressed by you. He's just saying, actually, he's like, pray when no one hears you. And so, um, you know, I don't have any biblical examples of Jesus praying in closets, uh, but what do we do have examples of? Him praying in a garden? Yeah. Him praying on a mountaintop? If you find examples of him praying in closets, you well, let me know. I'll change my stance here. But, but really though, I mean, I know for me, you know, when I hear people describe them locking themselves in the tiny room, in the dark, that would not work for me. I would not enjoy that time with the Lord. So so I would just, honestly, my recommendation would be, do what you have to do to enjoy time with the Lord. Like for me, if it's above 50 degrees and not raining, I will be outside walking and praying in the mornings. I make myself an excellent cup of coffee because that's just, you got to, right? And then I'll go for a walk. And, 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 you know, the majority of that time, at least the beginning of that time, the first half, if not more, I'm just, I'm worshiping him. I'm communing with him. I'm talking, I'm walking and talking with him. Right? What, what a friend do we have in Jesus? You can, you can talk and walk with the Lord. Just like, a, just a, as one man talks to a friend, you can have that. So that's what I do. I'll wake up. I'll, t- I'll walk and I'll talk with the Lord. I'll thank him for everything he's done. I'll thank him for how, how good he is, how wonderful he is, his mercy and his grace that's new every morning. I'll thank him for that. And then maybe the last part, I'll, I'll bring my, my requests to the Lord. I'll, I'll you know, bring my petitions to the Lord, things I would like to see change, things I would like to see, man, Father, your will needs to, to invade this part of my life. God, your will has to come in this area and start lifting up specific things. But that's not the majority of it. The majority of it, talking to him, thanking him, communing with him. Let him speak to me. Father, give me instruction today. Give, give me, give me a word this morning. So enjoy your time with the Lord. And maybe that's not you. Maybe it's would I don't know, maybe dark closets are your thing. You like that. That's okay. Just whatever it takes, like enjoy. Cause here's what I promise you. If you start to enjoy your time with God, that time will grow in quality and quantity. Like, if you genuinely are enjoying your time with God, you're gonna forget your clock. Like, you know, you're not gonna be like, well, I hope I can log 28 minutes today. You're not gonna care. You're gonna get lost in him. You'll get lost in that. I'm praying for that someday that I accidentally pray for like four hours. That's my desire. I just like go for a walk and my wife thinks I got killed or something. Um, (laughs) But really... If you enjoy your time with God, no one's one's gonna have to twist your arm to spend time with him. You want to. It's your your delight to spend time with him. So enjoy, number one, you wanna get to know the Lord, enjoy time with him. Enjoy your prayer time. Enjoy your your fellowship with him. The Bible says pray without ceasing. You know, you can go all day and just talking with the Lord. Like don't, don't just say, hey, I pray for 18 minutes in the morning and then I'm done. I heard, I I can't remember who it was, but a a famous, a famous like preacher or or pastor said, I never go longer than 15 minutes without praying, but I also never go more than 15 minutes without praying. I thought that was so good. Just that daily constant praying without ceasing. That's communion. That's fellowship, right? That's a relationship. That's, Hey, I'm going throughout my day and I'm just talking to the Lord. I'm inviting him into my situations. I'm inviting him into my life. So how can we grow in our, our, our relationship with Jesus? How can we grow in like knowing him? Number one, enjoy him. And number two, reading your Bible to know him, not just to get finished. Reading your Bible to know him. I think, guys, listen, I've, the motive in which you read your Bible is paramount. Like to me, this is a huge deal because there are professors in big colleges that know what the Bible says and they don't love Jesus, right? Am I wrong? There's people that could quote to use passage after passage and they don't know the Lord. So you can read your Bible with a hundred different motives. You can read your Bible to check it off your list. You can read your Bible to, to get more head knowledge. You can read your Bible to win a debate against that guy at work, right? i be, let's just be real here. You can read your Bible with a hundred different motives, but what if every morning when you open the word of God, your motive was, I want to know you, Jesus. That's, that's what my heart's after. It's not knowing more facts. It's not trying to win an argument with someone that's not a believer. I want to know you, Jesus, above everything else. Reading to know him. And like I'm, I'm, just a moment ago I was, I was you know pushing yeah get a study Bible and, and of course I, I studied, before this sermon I'm all about studying the Bible, but even you can get a little bit weird with that too, right? You can get so wrapped up in studying it's like wait a minute, God doesn't want to be studied he wants to be known. So just making sure that our, our motive is like I, I want to rightly know you Jesus. From front to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, I want to see you in it. I want to know you. And keeping your heart's motive, reading to know him. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.